Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, App, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And now, also able to watch it on YouTube if you want to see our beautiful faces. Right here, we got some special guests talking NCAA hoops. It's obviously March Madness season. The tournament starts today, Thursday. So even if you're listening to this, don't worry. We're not going to go too granular on these first-round matchups that you might miss Um you know, if, if it already happened by the time we're talking about it, we're going to get into our big prospects to watch, talking NBA draft prospect-wise, as well as just in the tournament in general, talk about our Final Four Elite Eight style picks, and then just some matchups that we are looking forward to see, uh, amongst other things, everything tournament-related. It's right here on Subway Sports Talk. So first and foremost, you hear him all the time. You haven't heard him talk much college hoops on this podcast, but boy, does he watch a ton. He's ready to go. Pat Boyle, what's up, brother? Yo, yo, what's up, Petey? I'm ready to rock, man. The madness has begun. Let's get it rolling. And now your college basketball podcast partner of sorts over here as well, making a return. Last time he was on the podcast talking NFL draft, clearly hammering home this college world of sports. Ed Arzuman, brother, good to have you back on the show. Oh, baby, it's always good to be right here, man. Subway Sports Talk, man, nothing better, bro. Presented by DraftKings. I mean, promo code, bro. <laughs> Hit that thing. Yeah, but, hey, go. I am ready to go, man. I'm ready to talk some college sports as always. You know me, man. My West Virginia Mountaineers, we had a, we had a pretty terrible year, but it is what it is. We get through it, and uh, you know what? It's still uh, it's still fun to have the bracket and throw in some uh, some good old bets here. So let's uh, let's get to some talking. Couple bets never hurt nobody. A lot of bets definitely have hurt some people. Uh, but well, it's okay because we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna make make okay. our picks. <laughs> so, how you feeling though about your West Virginia boy on uh, the Knicks, Deuce McBride? Like, what's going on? We need some more burn for for our boy. My guy needs way more minutes. I mean, it is what it is because this season is so lost, and the only uh, silver lining, I guess, is that he's getting some type of burn in general this year. But. You got to get you got to get him out of there a little bit more often. And I mean, at this point, why not get him like 20 plus minutes a game? I don't see why that's so bad. I don't see why that's so impossible for the staff to put together. But, you know, this is also the staff that has been kind of uh, putting a torch to what they did last season, you know, throughout this entire year. So I guess we can't be too, you know, surprised by their lack of you know, decision-making when it comes to the, uh, when it comes to the, you know, rotation and especially when it comes to changing it up. Right. And it feels like every year we have these conversations. Why isn't this guy getting more minutes? Let's just see what he got. Let's see mm-hmm. what we got with this guy. See what we got with that guy. And before we know it, they're either off the team and we're not re-signing our rookies. Again, yep. we still haven't re-signed a rookie. RJ Barrett, you know, hey. we're assuming, hey. we're assuming you can't assume until things happen with the New York Knicks, but nonetheless, we're not here to talk NBA. We're here to talk NCAA, but first let's hear a couple words from our friends over at DraftKings. College Hoops fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. You don't need to hit the spread. You don't need to pick an underdog. Just pick any team to win. They do so. $200 in free bets. It's that simple. If they win, you win. 
If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round? Who will hit the most three-pointers? Track your results. See the wins. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPM. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So let's start talking about this tournament, this bracket. There were obviously drama as always when you get the announcement and all the selections and all the seedings. People are going to complain about this team being too high and this team's being too low. All that stuff goes out the window when you start basketball on Thursday and it's noon, you're working or you're not working, doesn't matter. You're turning on college hoops. There's not really a better sporting day or sporting two days of the year. In my opinion, this Thursday, Friday, the first two days of the tournament, spectacular. So with that being said, let's hop around anywhere that you guys want to go to first. Pat, we can go to you first if if you'd like. Is there a Thursday or Friday matchup? that when you were filling out your first bracket or you saw the seating for the first time, that just got you going. That You said, okay, I don't know what I'm doing Thursday and Friday yet. We got St. Patty's Day action, but I got to be locked in for this one. Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I still haven't officially filled out my brackets yet. I plan on having Ooh. probably three or four different ones, not a whole lot of variation across them. It's mostly just going to be um, a Final Four team here and there. Um, I have a really good feeling uh, that I've got the national champion pegged here. Uh, but that being said, um, you know, I, I, I do have, I've got basically, you know, some differing final four teams coming out of the, uh, coming out of the West and coming out of the East. So that being said, I will have my multiple brackets done tonight. I'm in a couple different pools, but yeah, just looking here, first game of the tournament. I mean, how can you not love it? Uh, Michigan, Colorado State, you get Jawan Howard, who is Ooh. still relatively fresh off that suspension. Michigan's had a brutal year from Big Ten favorite and top five team preseason to on the bubble. I think the committee did a terrible job. I think it was a disgrace putting Michigan in the tournament to begin with. I thought they were awful. And at 17 and 14, the record alone, then you caught, then you figure in, um, you factor in how awful they were down the stretch. I, I don't think they had any right being in the tournament. That being said, if they show up, yeah, they have a chance to make a run to the Sweet 16. But I've been on Colorado State since the beginning of the year. I love the Rams. I love Roddy. They're an upper-class team. Um, David Roddy's an absolute beast, You know, an absolute unicorn, 6'5", but a bull going through the paint. I think Michigan's going to have a ton of trouble stopping him. Um, and I, I think this is just right away, no, way, no better way to kick off the tournament than with some sparks when Michigan-Colorado State, which I think it truly will be a toss-up. I'm going to have the Rams, though, on that one. That's one of those games where you see the names, and it's, it goes, you know, let's actually give a little background first. You two, Pat, Ed, you guys watch college hoops, like, all year long. You kind of know uh, a feel for teams a little better than the average bear, right? You kind of understand what teams maybe started off hot and then settled down but still are good versus the teams that maybe started slow and they're coming on strong at the right time, right? Like, because that makes a big difference come tournament time and et cetera. So for new people like who don't watch college basketball the entire time, ramp up during the co- uh, conference tournaments and then really ramp up for the actual tournament more like myself, you see Michigan and you're like, oh man, they're they're underseated here? 
like, of course we're going to go Michigan, right? But Colorado state's got some players. You started touching on that there. You're going with Colorado state. Now, are they a team that you think could make some actual noise here, Pat, or are you just thinking of this as a, a one and done? And then maybe that's about it. No, no. I think Colorado state's got a chance to make a run. Look, Tennessee has been great and they got hot uh, at the end of the year and they won the SEC. But uh, again, I've, I think Colorado state is a team that plays really balanced and uh, I think they can easily beat Tennessee. If Tennessee doesn't get stunned by Longwood, I'd be shocked if that happens. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at potentially if the way it plays out with no upsets in that bottom quadrant of that region, they'll get, they're going to get Villanova in the Sweet 16. And Villanova, we know they're one of the best in the country. We know Jay Wright's phenomenal. We know Colin Gillespie and them play such a slow tempo of basketball, and it's arduous and gritty and wears you down. But I don't know. I've just it's, it's a team that I've just been high on since the beginning of the year. So if nothing else, it's a hill I'm going to die on. Yep. Uh, when I officially go through my bracket, I'm not sure if I'm going to take Colorado State over Villanova. But I definitely think if they get to the Sweet 16, which I will have them there, they're going to give Villanova a run for their money. Wow. I mean, bro. And I will say this real quick. I have to interject because Pat has been all over Colorado State since probably early December. So I will attest to that. So, man, the Sweet 16, though, I love it. I love it. Is that something that you concur with? That's not how you use that word, but it made sense. So do you do you agree with the Colorado State love, or are you, are you like, thinking Patty's off his rocker right now? I mean, listen, now uh, Juwan Howard coming, you know, being back with the team, maybe they got a little inspiration in him. But I do like Colorado State in that first-round matchup. And I have to say... I mean, Tennessee is a really good team, but if they get shocked in that first round, like you said, then there is no reason that Colorado State's not in that second, uh, you know, second weekend here in that Sweet 16. And I mean, personally, I'm I'm pretty high on Nova in this tournament. I think Nova's a tournament team. Jay Wright is a coach that excels when the calendar turns to March. Um, so I, I don't know about if they give, uh, you know, Villanova necessarily a run for their money. But listen, I think they could definitely get to the Sweet 16, and I absolutely am with Pat in terms of picking them against Michigan. I think it's uh, I think it's like you said, one of those where the general public sees Michigan as an 11, and they go, "Wow, you know, there's your uh, there's your double digit seed that's going to make a run this year." And honestly, I don't see it with the Wolverines. I I liked them early in the season; they were my Final Four pick coming into the year, but they've just really underperform to the maximum that you possibly can. And Juwan Howard is not necessarily the coach that I thought that he was going to be. He's not a bad coach. He's just not not necessarily as great as I thought he was going to be, at least not this season. And this team has been a complete disappointment. So Colorado State beating them up in that first game, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. And, and really quickly, Pete, sorry, just to add on that, because I feel like Michigan, it's, it's a really trendy pick now for people like, oh, they, they didn't deserve, people are clowning because they didn't deserve to get in, but they're going to wipe the floor with Colorado State. Mm-hmm. And, and now, the, oh, Jawan Howard. Jawan Howard's been back, right? He was back for their Big Ten tournament. They blew a double-digit lead against Indiana, and they were terrible down the stretch. They choked that game away. Look, Jawan Howard's a great coach. This year and down the stretch, they've been poorly coached. They are a poorly coached team down the stretch. So – just as you know, just to make another Knicks uh, comparison here, where I think we all can agree Tom Thibodeau is a great coach, but at times this year the Knicks have been poorly coached. 
That's what Michigan has done basically for the majority of this season. They have not responded well to adversity. They're also a little banged up in this one as well. And their starting point guard is going to be out for this game. Um, I uh, Again, I'm, I'm all over Colorado State, especially once I found out that uh, their starting point guard, um, Jones, blanking on the first name here. But uh, Devontae Jones, yeah, he's got a concussion. So he's out. So your starting point guard's out. He does a lot for this offense. I'm all over the Rams. And right now it's Michigan minus one. I'm seeing on DraftKings could round up to minus one and a half, even minus two in some places here. So you're talking getting Colorado State at the plus one, plus two range or at the plus 100 range if you're going money line, which at that point, you know, you might want to sprinkle the money line just to get your little self some straight up odds there. But sprinkle a little cheddar cheese on it. Why not? You know, let's have some fun. It's March Madness. So without knowing much about Colorado State other than hearing some passing comments, I have them in my Elite Eight squarely. So in the Elite Eight. Yeah, I I'm 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 keeping it a buck right now. I have not watched them play this year, but I just sometimes you just feel the juice, bro. Sometimes you just can feel it. You hear a couple rumblings here, you see a thing on Twitter, you see a player that you might like a little bit, and you just you just go for it. You just go for it. But no, I have not watched many Colorado State actual games. I love it though. You know, I've, I've I've watched about four or five, which is like more than I feel like most people watch. And um, about four or five more than America. most people, yeah. And even even early on in the season when they when they're not on national TV, I was betting on them and tracking most of their first 15, 16 games, and they started the season what eleven and zero. So they were, they were dangerous. Yeah, they were money. And again, they're one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country. We know how big that it is in March. They're a they're a a under they're a an experienced team. They've got a ton of, ton of upperclassmen. And they shoot the three well. So I know Michigan has struggled to defend the perimeter this year. And and, and if they can find a way to limit, they're not going to be able to stop Hunter Dickinson. But if they can limit him, somebody else from Michigan is going to have to step up. And again, with the absence of their guard, Devontae Jones, I don't see that happening. And then, Pete, just to give you a quick hitter here again, the other matchup that I love for the first day and Thursday, and I think it's absolute upset special, and I feel like everyone has kind of jumped on board now, so I don't feel like the hipster when I go with it, is the Vermont Catamounts. I think they are one of the best teams in the entire country. Don't let the mid-major you know, uh, appearance to them fool you. Ben Shungu is an absolute animal, and Ryan Williams is one of the best players in the entire country. Excuse me, Ryan Davis. He's shooting over 59% from the field and over 40% from three. And the way that they're coached with John Becker, who we're going to have on, on the DA show on CBS Sports Radio on, on Thursday morning, they are well coached. They've been here before. I love Vermont to upset Arkansas in the in the first round. Let's go, baby. I'm with you 100% on that, man. Um, I got to be honest with you, dude. I'm, I'm really sh- – uh, I don't know what to say because – the first two that you uh, dropped here in terms of upsets, I'm with you 100%. And I got to be honest again, the West and the South are the two places where if you're really searching for something, you're going to find it. And I want to start out with something on Friday evening, a 6.50 tip-off in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You have the Illini, the Illini of Illinois, Kofi Coburn led taking on Chattanooga. Chattanooga is a team that, if we're being honest, they possibly would have got into the NCAAs without winning the uh, without winning their conference. And, I mean, they were on the bubble pretty much the entire last about month and change of the season or so from, like, end of January until February. I really like this team. 
I think they match up very well with Illinois. I think, you know, they have Silvio D'Souza, who's a transfer from Kansas, who was a stud at Kansas. And as long as he can keep himself out of foul trouble, he's the type of guy who can limit Coburn. And if you can limit Kofi Coburn's effect on the game, then Illinois is nothing more than just an average team, in my opinion. And that's not a knock on them. It's just more of it speaks to how great Kofi Coburn is. And knowing who D'Souza is, seeing him play at Kansas as a freshman before he had, you know, suspension issues and whatnot, he he's a beast. And I'm shocked that, you know, Chattanooga's going as kind of under the radar as they have been so far. But they're a team to watch out for in terms of knocking out knocking out Illinois on that first day and uh on Friday night. And I'm I'm really excited for that one. I am uh I'm going to be putting my money on uh Chattanooga for the uh the money line here, boys. So if you guys are indulged to do so, please hit up that DraftKings with the promo code in the corner. <laughs> there you go. Uh I'm working all the time, man. I love it. And they're yeah, also plus, plus eight as well. So you take them plus eight. You sprinkle the money line, and you walk away with with two wins on the books. That's how that works, bro. Beautiful. It's it's like a chef's kiss. You know what I mean? Mwah. I love <laughs> it. But I, like I said, I got I love that you know that South region, but I also really like the West in terms of upsets. And you nailed Vermont. That's one that I'm really into. And we have a game going on right now. So unfortunately, at the time of recording, we don't know who's going to win this game. But I will say. If the Rutgers Scarlet Knights are able to get through Notre Dame tonight, I'm right there with you, Zoo. They're going to make a run. Now, I don't know how deep that run's going to be, but they're absolutely going to knock out Alabama. And they are, uh, I think they have a really solid chance to beat a Texas Tech or a Montana State team. Now, I don't think Montana State's going to win that game. I don't think they really have a prayer, but. You know, you never know. It's it's the NCAA tournament. Anything can happen. But Rutgers is a senior, or maybe not a senior, but an upper-class-led team. You have Geo Baker. You have Ron Harper Jr., two guys who at, on any given night can go out there and drop you 20-plus points. And that's really what you need in this type of tournament. You need guys around them who can play. And Rutgers has it. And Rutgers has a really great coach in Steve Peichel, who honestly – should be pissed off because of the way that it ended last season in the NCAA tournament, the way that it happened to Houston. I think there's a lot to prove for Geo Baker. I think there's a lot to prove for Steve Peichel, Ron Harper Jr. I just I just see this Rutgers team as a great team to bet to get into the Sweet 16 and to win their first round game. Obviously, I think you know throw throw the money on the first round game if you really uh, you know feel so indulged to. But taking them to go into the Sweet 16, that's that's pretty good for me right now i think that's a lot of good yeah I, I almost plan on fading alabama entirely but i feel a lot more confident if it's Rutgers because they've also got kayla mcconnell who is the big 10 defensive player of the year and when you look at alabama and i've watched some of their games this year they when they're not playing well they turn the ball over like it's going out of fucking style uh <laughs> you know javon quinterly and, and jd davison they both average more than combined six turnovers a game it's an alabama team that turns it over 15 times a game it's one of the worst out of any team that's in the field so you get a Rutgers mm -hmm. defense that is very scrappy if they're playing against bama i'm expecting them to force them into a lot of turnovers i would absolutely be going with Rutgers to beat bama in the first round Notre Dame I don't like as much, but as we're recording here, that game's about to tip off. 
So I'm, a, you guys know I'm a Notre Dame fan, but my wallet is rooting for Rutgers because then I will be <laughs> expecting them to get into the second round, if not the Sweet 16 as well. And there's just for uh, to finish out the region there, you know, over uh, over in the West, I have to say that there's a little piece of me that really, and it's not really that big of a stretch, but that loves Davidson to upset Michigan State. Not too far from the campus, Davidson has been a strong team all season. You know, again, a team that has been right in the mix in terms of being a top 10 seed, maybe even a little bit higher all year. Now, do I think they're going to make a run? Absolutely not. I think they get smacked by Duke in the second round. And and I, we'll talk about Duke in a little bit, I'm sure. Well, but I I have Duke a little bit more value than most people do. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't really think Michigan State has very much to offer in this tournament. And I would be shocked if they could beat Davidson in that first round. Well, maybe not shock. Shock's not a good word, but yeah, I'd be a little bit stunned. And uh, it's, it's almost even on the odds. It's Michigan State minus one. You know, exactly. so give or take, you know, but and, and, oh, okay. and Zoo and I, Zoo and I, real quick peek. I know we're, we're kind of stealing, stealing everything away from you here, but again, you got us on roll. Zoo and I have we're on the fade train of Michigan State early on, and as much mm-hmm. as I'd love to fade him here, I, I don't know. They've Izzo has proved once again how good of a coach he is. I think for how this lacking of talent this team has that they've been able to get to 22 wins on the year, and um, you know, they again, they've they've played tight against teams that they're not better than. Like they had a couple of really close losses against Illinois and Wisconsin earlier on in the big 10. They, they lost by one to Illinois the first time they played them. And, you know, they really don't have a ton of bad losses on their schedule. So they really don't ever play down to their competition, which is something that's a good coach team does. And Davidson's obviously not, you know, a bad, bad big 10 team. They're 27 wins. They're in the tournament. Mm-hmm. But when I, when I've watched Davidson during the a 10 tournament, I, I just – it didn't shock me. They didn't wow me as a team like, wow, this team's going to cause some damage. Um, yeah, they left a lot to be desired. Yeah, like I thought they were going to handle Richmond, uh, you know, pretty easily, and that, that was a, a bid stealer, the Richmond Spiders, give them credit. But Richmond. also I think the last game of the regular season, they also lost to a, an, inexper- an inexperienced Dayton team who was hoping to get in. So I know you got two, you know, very close to being tournament teams right there, but – I, I don't know. I, I think um, I think everybody wants to see Izzo versus Shashevsky in the second round, and that's a storyline that a lot of people are just going to blindly bet into. But I don't know. I, I to me, Michigan State I think might have this game in the bag just because they've been super well coached and they've gotten better as the year has gone on. Viacom more than anybody else is cheering for that <laughs> Michigan yeah. State Duke oh, yeah. matchup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Paramount now, right? Are they, are they Paramount officially? Um, Who knows? They've changed every year for the past. Yeah, you know, it's, you every, know? it's something different every year. But yeah, they got the Paramount Plus. There you go. Which uh, uh, you, they don't sponsor here, so you know we won't give a plug to them. But no, maybe they if they do, have Yellowstone on there yet either. So you got to watch Yellowstone on your DVR or on somewhere else. I don't even know what that's going on with that show. Uh, anyways, I have a question now because we just talked about a couple teams or some teams in passing that the ideas behind them always you know, interests me coming into tournament time. So teams like Michigan state with Tom Izzo, we mentioned Tennessee kind of in passing before we've already talked about, um, uh, the, the 13, uh, upset. We haven't talked about the five twelve upset yet, but there's these trends that go on within certain programs. And then within seedings over the course of years that seem to trend out and seem to make a lot of sense, right? Like, what is it every year for the past? How many years has been a 12 beating a five 
recent years, it feels like 13s are going on runs and 11s are making moves. So like there is some sort of trendiness year over year, but the players change, right? So when you guys are going through your brackets, how much do you put into the fact that Tom Izzo, how he's done over the past like five, six, seven years, right? How do you put into Tennessee being a team that seems to come up short, even when they're one of the fan favorites out there, right? Like how, how much of that stuff goes into your preparation when you're filling out your brackets, making your bets, et cetera. Um, for me personally, a decent amount. Uh, I, I, I gotta say a lot of that kind of stuff kind of creeps into my head. Um, in terms of trends, bro, the one that I always like to look at is the first four to the not to the final four, but to make it a run. And for me this year, that's Rutgers. I mean, it could easily be Indiana as well. Um, two, Indiana is a team where, listen, they played a really ugly and gross game last night or two nights ago. Uh, this comes out on Thursday, so <laughs> two nights ago. But listen, they're a pretty good team, and that's not a good representation of who they are. So Listen, they could they could go on a little run, but I'm I'm more likely going with Rutgers. So that's one that I always look for. And, this and the idea, the idea on that. Sorry to cut you, but the, before you moved on to your second point, the idea behind that is that they played a game, they kind of got their feet wet, right? Like the the pre tournament jitters are gone. Exactly. They're rolling in with a with a head of steam. Yeah, exactly. Now you're not going to come out and you're not going to have that pathetic, you know, 13 points over the first whatever it was, 14 minutes, I believe. It was, it was one of the grossest starts to a game I've ever seen in my life. But, hey, that's the NCAA tournament sometimes. It's nasty. It's gross because it's just one game and you're trying to figure each other out. These are teams that don't ever see each other. So there's a lot of unpredictability to it, which is why you could see a team like Longwood come and upset Tennessee. And that's why a team like Tennessee maybe consistently has some issues because they don't have the right people in place that are making sure that the team is able to, you know, adjust to challenges. Now, I don't think this Tennessee is, uh, you know, going to have the issues that other Tennessee teams in the past have had. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't have them going to the Final Four, so I guess I really don't see them doing too much. Right. Yeah, sometimes it feels fair. Sometimes it doesn't, right? Like, Gonzaga is another team. You know, Pat and I were working at the fan the other night, and I forget who even said it to us. Oh, Gonzaga comes up short in the tournament all the time. I was like, well, last year, actually, they – they did pretty damn good, right? They made it to the, mm-hmm. the championship game, which, you know, even though you're disappointed you didn't win the championship, that's still a very, very successful year, right? It's the second best you could do in the country. So what does it take for a team to get over that uh, trend that lives with them for better or for worse, right? So I don't know. I, I'm with you. I see Tennessee, and I feel burned from, what was it, five years ago when Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams were running the show. I still feel burned from loving that team so much, and those guys have been in the NBA or out of the NBA for years already, right? Like, well, Schofield's actually back in, so shout out Admiral Schofield. But, like, that shouldn't affect me today, but yet it still does. I can't help it. Pat, when you think about that type of stuff, oh, I have to pick at least two 12s to be to five. I can't trust this uh, this organization because they never make it past uh, the second round. How much does that affect you when you're filming this stuff out? I think you got to you gotta approach it with a, a, a 60-40 kind of mindset. And I think 60%, you have to believe that a team's going to win the game, right? Like you can't just say, oh, well, I know history tells me a 12 seed and a 13 seed is going to win. So let me just pick which one I think has the best chance. No, I think you have to, you have, to have at least watched or studied some of these teams to, to realize which team has potential. And in this case, I think it's Vermont. I think that... You know that uh, Vermont is good enough to be a single-digit seed, 
So the fact that they're getting a 13 and the fact that they're getting a team like Arkansas, who I, I, I just don't think is that special, um, that's where then I say, okay, 60% of me believes they can win. And then the other 40%, there's usually a double-digit upset, if not two or three every single year. So, boom, this is the one I'm absolutely going to believe in. Um, you know, I think you got to kind of approach it that way. I don't think you ever want to just go into picking and filling out your bracket and saying, well, history tells me this, so it's got to be one of them, right? You actually have to have some belief in the team before you do that. Um, and then also, I think we're just not getting caught up in so much of the so much of like the, the numbers of the seeds themselves. That's another thing because as you know, as much as we do say, oh, it's why a twelve usually beats a five. I mean, when you look at it, you know, you multiply. There's four seeds for every number. So if you get a five seed, that's a team that's what. 20th best, the 20th best team in the country, according to the committee. And you get a 12 seed that could be the 37th best team in the country, according to the committee. So I, there's not like, or excuse me, that, that math was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I was multiplying by three. You multiply it by four. It's like the 48th or the 49th best team in the country. I mean, that being said, how many upsets do you see in college basketball in a regular season? A non-ranked team beats a ranked team. I that's basically what you're doing here. It's not like, oh my god, a 12 seed beat a five. It's like, no, they're you know, according to like their RPI and their ranking in terms of the committee, there are only like 20 teams behind that. It's not a big difference. So I think just that getting caught up in that too um, is it can can throw throw a lot of people off and in, in picking a favorite when you can look at a 12 seed and say this team's pretty damn good. And like you said too, if one 12 seed wins, the trend continues. But five seeds were. 75% win percentage in that tournament, right? Yep. Like, so, so it's easy to say, Oh, a 12 always beats a five. So you let's pick one, no matter what. But if you pick the wrong one, you might now be screwing yourself on two of the seeds. Right. And you know, you don't want to kill yourself on first round picks if you're trying to win a bracket, but you know, every, every win counts. So that's good stuff. Any, any other first round things you guys want to shout out? Um, maybe, I don't know if it, we're going to get into players. So we'll, we'll save that for the next topic, but any other first round matchups that you want to throw out there? Is there another 12 or is there another upset or perhaps maybe there, is there an upset? This is a good question. Is there an upset you've been hearing about that you think is not going to happen? For example, if, if uh, I haven't heard this, but if people are saying Iowa state's a good possibility to beat LSU and you disagree something along those lines, anything li live in that world? Uh, you want to hit this first? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, um, I think, yeah, an upset that you think a lot that you mentioned that a lot of people think is going to happen that I don't think so. Um, I think that's uh, you know the one you mentioned, Pete. What'd you say? Putting you on the spot here, but you know, you no, 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 that, that's fine. I think the one you mentioned, the um, the LSU Iowa State. Um, I think Iowa State has completely fallen off the tracks mm -hmm. um, in terms of this season. You know, they got out of the gate really hot. Isaiah Brockington was blowing everybody's nips off with everything he was doing. And uh, then they kind of really, really slowed down here as the season went on. I just think they lost whatever kind of special flavor they had to them. And they were, they were turning teams over at will and they were knocking down threes just at an unbelievable rate. So it's really slowed down. So, uh, yeah, I, I, again, I wouldn't be shocked if Iowa State does beat LSU, beat LSU because I don't think LSU is that special of a team to begin with. But at the same time, like one that people have like, oh, this is an absolute upset. No, I, I think LSU should win that game. Um, I, and then the other one too, a lot of people like UAB. Um, I think Houston is a, a tremendously coached team. I think they're yeah. very well-rounded. I think they've got multiple guys that can drop 20 a night, you know, led by Sasser and Edwards. They rebound well. 
to me, they're 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 a team that I think can make a run to the Elite Eight. So I absolutely mm-hmm. uh, do not think UAB is going to beat them. And that spread that's at eight and a half. I think that's pretty reasonable. I will give you this: you want to go, you know, head hunting. You want to be the guy that calls the big upset of the tournament. If there, there is a two seed that's going to go down, it's going to be Auburn. Yep. Um, they, look, they've got maybe the number one and the number two pick in the entire in the entire uh, draft, and that's Jabari Smith. That being said, I have not been impressed by Auburn this year, um, especially down the stretch. The loss to AM, um, you know, as an AM team that was playing their third game in three days. And now, granted, I thought AM should have gone into the tournament over Michigan. But that mm-hmm. being said, every time it feels like, and maybe this is just biased because it feels like every time I bet on Auburn, they lost. But they were 22 and one, and they were the hottest team in the country. And after that, they lost to Arkansas, they lost to Florida, they lost to Tennessee, they lost to AM. They had some close wins. I just, I, I feel like whatever they were doing again early on in the year when they got to 22 and one, where you had Smith going off for 20 a game and dropping near double doubles, and they could go for a guy that rely on a guy that can give you 25 a night, it feels like it's been Jabari Smith or nothing for them lately. So, uh, again, I think now again I'm not going to tell you I've watched a ton of Jacksonville State games, but when you look at their their rosters and look at their numbers, they're very balanced. They rebound well. They shoot. They don't shoot the free throws well. Which again, if it's a late, if it's close late, that doesn't help you out. But you know they've got a, a decent amount of size. So again, nobody's going to really convincingly believe that a 15 is going to be the two. But if it is going to happen, I think that's the one shocker upset of the first round. I think at minimum, that's a great reason to take them plus 15 in the first round, right? That's what yeah, I'm here in Patty B. And anything to add before we get into our prospects? Yeah, I got a, I mean, I don't know if this is really a popular upset pick, but it's definitely one that I've heard a few people start to throw around, you know, kind of like trying to be smart with it. Colgate over Wisconsin. Don't fall for it. Colgate is not going to beat Wisconsin in that game. Wisconsin is playing. I believe two hours away from Madison and uh, Milwaukee. Wisconsin is a really good team. Colgate is one of those teams that you hear about every, every year in March when they make the tournament to make a splash and to go out there and, Oh, they shoot the three really well. And they do, but they're just not a team that's going to be able to hang with uh, Wisconsin, not in their backyard. And that is a big thing, especially in the early round games. It's a big thing. I don't think Colgate has a chance especially that Wisconsin has a dude that we're going to talk about in the top 10-ish of the draft prospects here as well, yeah. Johnny Davis. Maybe so, a Nick. Something that the the Wisconsin Badgers don't always have, even when they're a two-seed, right? Like, they don't usually have big-time NBA prospects. It's kind of just not what happens at the Wisconsin basketball program. Yeah, don't disrespect Frank the Tank like that. That's, that's a fair point. Frank did jump to mind, but... You know, Sam Decker? Come on. Dude, Sam Decker could have done something better. He what happened to him? Where did he go? Did he get hurt? I don't know. He's probably playing in like Croatia or something. Yeah, hope killing you know, it though. He probably puts up sure. forty again. <laughs> probably making bank too. Good for him. All right. So Ed Arzuman, Pat Boyle. My name is Pete Kennedy. Right here, somebody's more talk. We're not done yet. Not even close. We got to talk about some of these prospects, some of these exciting names that you're going to hear about throughout this tournament and then beyond for most of them as well. When it comes to draft time, they might be on your favorite team. The Knicks might be in range to pick them next year, and there's a lot of really interesting names. Um, To start, we just talked about Jabari Smith. We haven't really mentioned Gonzaga other than passing yet. Then we only mentioned Duke in passing as well. It's the only place to start. Who's the guy? Who's the number one pick? Who's the best guy in this tournament? 
Maybe that's not the same question, but Pat, Chet Holgram, Jabari Smith, Paolo Banchero, pretty much the top three in any ranking that you'll see. Some people have Chet and Jabari above Paolo pretty substantially, but we'll throw through all three of them out there right now. When you hear those three names, who jumps out? Who do you think's the guy? For me, it's 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 Paolo. It's been Paolo the entire year. I know that he has struggled to shoot the three this year, but I think just his ability to create his own shot. Um, you know, he could be the man at any given moment of any given game against any given team. Um, I, you know, you, you'd be hard pressed to find a game where he struggled this year. Um, you know, just the one that jumps out to mind to me is where they, they struggled against Syracuse early. He didn't play all that well. You know, the Bayheims kind of played good defense. And even in that, he almost dropped a triple double. He had, had 10 points, 10 boards, seven assists and five steals. So even when he's not the scoring machine that he has been, throughout most of this season. And I think a lot of that is because they have so many different options that can score, right? He's not just, you know, he's not like a Jabari Smith where I feel like Auburn doesn't have a ton of other scoring options, especially lately around him, or he has to be the man. You know, Duke can go to more. They can go to Trevor Keels. They can go to Mark Williams down low. But I think when you need somebody to get you a bucket and you look at my opinion, the best player in this tournament and who should be the number one pick in the NBA draft. And that that's Paolo Boncaro. So um, he's been my favorite player to watch all year. Again, he's he's almost an unstoppable from the mid-range. He's so good at creating a shot. He's tremendous off the pick and roll. And uh, I expect Duke to make a run to the Final Four because of him. Yeah, and you know the thing about Paolo, in my estimation, is he's the most built to be a true number one option. And when I say that, I don't just mean a score. I mean some of those things you were touching on, Pat. Like Jabari Smith is a specimen his jumper is beautiful and he shoots a high percentage, right? Like that's a beautiful thing. However, if you need a bucket, if you need a play make a playmaker, Paolo is more suited to do all of those things at once. Jabari may be a more consistent shooter. He may be a slightly better athlete from a measurable standpoint, but you give Paolo the ball. He can do more from the top of the key. He can run the pick and roll. He can make the passes and it kind of plays itself out in the numbers. He averages the most assists at any of those big three guys. And he can really do it all. And he's doing it all with four first rounders in his starting lineup. Like that's no joke to still eat those type of statistics, statistics up with those other first rounders. Also trying to get fed on Duke makes it that much more impressive. Like if Paolo was on a team that only had one other really good player, he might be averaging 25 points this year. And that's just the fact. Zoo, these three prospects, who do you like? I got to tell you, um, I'm going to start out here real quick because I'm going to talk about Chet Holmgren. He's not the one that I think is the best, though. Okay. I've been hearing people say that we've never seen anybody look like Chet Holmgren before. There's never been a prospect quite like him. You know, long, tall guy, can shoot, plays great defense, blocks a lot of shots, gets a lot of rebounds. We haven't seen a guy like this before. I think I know. I mean, he, he didn't. It refreshed my memory, but wasn't there a certain Latvian guy oh, that okay. the Knicks drafted a few years back who was lanky and, you know, he had a good jumper and he could play some good defense and he boarded well? You know, Kristaps Porzingis, right? Wasn't he that guy? Not to say Kristaps Porzingis is some slouch. I loved the man when he was part of the Knicks. And you know what? He got hurt. And we see where his career went. So I think there's a lot of um, risk when you're taking a guy like Holmgren, although that he is such a great player. And I like him a lot. And I do. I really do. But he's not this 
ridiculously new type of player that we haven't seen before that oh my gosh you you have to see this guy like or, oh no chris Porzingis was that dude a couple of years ago Giannis, i thought you were gonna say somebody else too i thought you were gonna go crazy and say like kevin durant or something like that <laughs> nah nah i'm not that crazy i don't okay, think he's good. that okay, i don't think he's that i think he's chris stop, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. of course of course um and i do think that's what he is so i think him being the number one pick is a little bit overvalued especially when you got a dude like jabari who can score the damn rock and honestly like yeah i get it bunchero is a great playmaker he's a dude who can really get things going for the team and maybe he's a better overall player and i will concede that he is a better overall player because he is a better ball handler and he is a much better passer and he does get people involved a lot more in the offensive end but jabari the way he shoots the ball the way he plays his his offensive game is already it's right there for the nba if he goes to the right team he could average high teens next season if not, you know, depending on the minutes and depending on what team he goes to, I mean, I could see him maybe even putting up 20 and maybe touching on about six to seven rebounds. And that's a really, really good rookie. And that's the dude who I would want to take out of these three if I was building a championship team. Because I don't know if any of them are a guy to build around for a championship team, but I think Jabari Smith out of all three of them is the guy who is on a championship team. I think his game trans translates that way. And I think he's the guy with the most upside going forward in terms of being an all-star in the league, all NBA, all that kind of stuff. It's he's yeah. the dude. He's the there's, dude. He's been the guy for Auburn and he's proved it all year. There's just there's nothing else to say about it. That's it's just facts. And Ben and Ben Carroll, honestly, big moments have eaten him up. Mm. And that speaks a lot to where he is right now. He's young, but you know what? people have thrived in those moments too yeah and it's a it's a good point and it's a uh, very specific what you said that makes a lot of sense jabari can put up numbers as a rookie on a good team most rookies who put up numbers they're on bad teams you're saying he could fit into a good system right now and be effective and put up numbers absolutely Where, whereas most rookies who go to good teams play truly secondary tertiary roles to start out their careers and it's the guys like jalen green and you know, Ann Edwards last year, who can get all these shots up and get good numbers, even though they're not winning, he could affect winning. And I think the the floor on Jabari Smith is way higher than the floor on Paolo. And I guess maybe I can argue the Paolo ceiling is higher. But with what you hear about Jabari Smith as a dude, as a guy, is that he cares, he works his ass off, and he wants to be better at everything. So you almost trust that he can add some better playmaking. He can add some better handles. He can add... Um, some some weight to himself there. So right, maybe Paolo. I'm sorry, Jabari is the bet moving forward. But right now, I see a better complete player in Paolo. But the big moment could play the big difference. So now, out of that question, we talked about who we would take first in the draft. Who has the best tournament? Let's keep this one quick. We got more guys to talk about. So who has the best tournament out of those three guys? Chet Holmgren. There you go. I think I think Paolo, just because I'm I'm confident that uh, that Duke's going to the uh, the Final Four, and when I look at Gonzaga. Ooh, I don't know. I can see Gonzaga going home in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. So, yeah. yeah. And again, I said, I, if there was a team that would be shocked and stunned in the first round, I, I would think it would be Auburn. So, um, you know, even if they do get past Jacksonville State, which they should, they're going to run into they're going to run into trouble if Wisconsin gets there. I think they're going to get a real scrappy test from Miami or USC with the size they mm -hmm. have and Mobley. 
Um, and then again, I, I, I don't see him getting out of that region with Kansas anyway. So uh, just purely based off of who's going to play the most games alone and who's going to carry their team to the most success, it's for me, it's it's Bound Carroll. Yeah, I, honestly, and to your point there, bro, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, that's why I don't think Jabari is going to have a big tournament. I don't think Auburn's going to go very far. I I have Duke making it to the Elite Eight, and I'll just give away my bracket. I have them playing Gonzaga, but I have Gonzaga winning that. I have yeah. Gonzaga going to the national championship, not winning. We'll get to that maybe a little bit later. Oh, oh yeah, baby. But, uh, tease. I love it. But that's why I think Chet's going to have the better tournament. You know, he'll be there when it's all said and done. So people will look at him a little bit more. Fantastic. And we have so many more hours of film to watch on these guys when we get to actual draft time, right? But we have other prospects playing. I mentioned, already mentioned that there's a couple other first rounders most likely on this Duke team. We'll get to them in a minute. But the guy I'm seeing at four most frequently here is a guard out of Purdue. He's a sophomore. You watch him. And for me, when I first started watching Jaden Ivy, there are some names that jump to mind just based off play style, the attacking the rim. And you don't want to say John Morant because John Morant is that dude in the NBA right now, but stylistically it feels right. So Jaden Ivy has been explosive. He's playing for Purdue. They're what a four seed, if I'm not mistaken, or that now I'm losing it. No, they are a three seed. I'm sorry. They're going against Yale. They're in the East. They're in the Kentucky portion of that bracket. So Jaden Ivey, is he going to make a splash? And what do you see him at the next level? I love Jaden Ivey, man. I've been, uh, Pat's been on him for a long time this year. I've been with him too. I mean, this Purdue team's a little streaky and he has had some moments, but he's had a lot more great moments this year. And I love the way that he drives. I love the way that he finishes at the rim. He's, he's dynamic you're right. Like you don't want to you don't want to say anything crazy because nobody's really like John Moran, but at the same time, the kid is explosive in a way that not many are. And I think that in the past we've looked at guys like say Colin Sexton and you know De'Aaron Fox, who are good NBA players. Like they're they're not terrible NBA players, but they we looked at them and we thought they had that explosion in them, but they don't. And there is a difference when you see it. And Jaden Ivey has that real explosion that can translate to being a legitimate starting, you know, point guard in the league and a guy who can every year perennially be in the conversation at minimum to be an all-star, in my opinion. Now, do I think he's going to could touch MVP levels, could lead a team, you know, lead a team? I don't know necessarily. Because you have to see how the guy gets into a situation and where he goes and what that team looks like. But I do think that he's a dude who can come in and give you some really good numbers, game in and game out, and get people involved on the offensive end as well. So, you know, maybe if the Knicks get a little lucky, get up there in the lotto, I mean, I wouldn't yes. mind seeing Jay Ivey on his team for sure. So if that's the question, hell yeah. Bring this, <laughs> bring this man to New York. Real quick, man, I don't I don't care what it takes because I would love to see him playing at the Garden. Yeah, he can pass it too. He's a willing passer. Pat, what do you think about Jaden? Yeah, I mean, I, I love Jaden Ivey. He's been a ton of fun to watch this year. I've watched a ton of Purdue games. <clears throat> They're one of my favorite teams in the in the entire tournament. I think one of the best matchups you might see in the entire tournament is Purdue and Virginia Tech. I think Texas is super fraudulent. I was on them to begin the season. But that, that guard-heavy team with Carr and Ramey and Timmy Allen, they've been terrible. They just don't make enough shots. So I got Virginia Tech in the first round, and I think you're going to get fireworks. Virginia Tech, a team that's riding the high of winning the ACC tournament 
with Hunter Couture dropping the 31 piece on Duke's head in the final. I think if they continue that run, they ultimately could be a team that knocks Purdue out. Otherwise, I think Purdue Kentucky um, is gonna is gonna be a fantastic matchup as well. And I think I, I would have Purdue in the Elite Eight. Um, but yeah, no, Jaden Jaden's phenomenal. I think I would like to see him be a better shooter um, before you know we're talking about him being drafted in the top five. You know, he's only shooting 36% from deep. He has struggled with his free throws at time this year. He's only 74% from the stripe. That being said, you again. To me, he's got a little bit of a, a bigger Darius Garland in him as well. The way he can, um, you know, affect teams off the dribble, shake people loose, and then also has that explosiveness to finish at the rim. And we've we've seen some unbelievable man's jams from him this year, uh, playing for Purdue. And uh, yeah, I mean, just his his ability to get to the bucket and finish is impressive. And then the way that they've got that human fucking tank Zach Eady, who's seven five, three hundred pounds to feed the ball to, and also one of the best shooters in the country and Sasha Stefanovic, um, you know, he's got weapons around him. He's got weapons around him. And I, I would like to see him kind of operate as a traditional point guard more. You know, at times they, they run the offense through, through Travion Williams, who comes off the bench and they'll run the offense through Stefanovic as well, just because he attracts so much attention as a shooter. But again, I'm, I'm expecting Jaden Ivy to have a big tournament. All right, moving on to our next guy. And I kind of want to, segue this a little bit here to not just talk about him but next on on the list that i'm looking at here is aj griffin we're talking about a shooter that's a shooter aj griffin is a sharp shooter mm -hmm. his percentages are crazy he's a, a little more versatile than just being called a sharp shooter he can get to the rack he can finish inside a little bit but i gotta be honest guys when i was watching my paolo banchero footage it wasn't aj griffin who was popping out in my eyes it was wendell moore jr Ooh. i fell in love with what I saw at a Wendell Moore Jr. He's listed as a small forward on sites, but he's the point guard for this team, bro. He's averaging 13, five, and four and a half. He's right up my alley. Like he's just smooth in the lane. He's a great and willing passer. He can shoot it pretty efficiently. Am I crazy for thinking Wendell Moore should be higher up on these mock drafts? I fell in love with what I saw at a Wendell Moore Jr. Uh, bro, I think there's a 100% chance that when it's all said and done for Duke in this tournament, now you're gonna start seeing Wendell Moore up higher on this uh on these mock drafts because he is an absolute stud out there. And when Ben Caro's gonna have moments throughout this tournament that he's not gonna be the person that people are looking for, because that's really what people are zoning in on when they're watching Duke, because he's one of the big, big names that's being marketed. And you know, it is what it is, that's how it works. But I mean, dude. I've fallen in love with Wendell Moore, and he is a very, very interesting dude as well. Like, I think he's a, I mean, listen, they're all college kids, and they go through the university with most of their stuff, so they're smart. But, listen, he seems like a really great guy that you want to build with. I mean, now listen, again, how many guys in this draft are you going to be able to build around? Maybe two. But you have a lot of guys that you can build with. And Wendell Moore is a guy that I think more so than anybody else, he can give you a lot of bang for that buck. And I, re I really like him to move up in this uh, in this draft for sure. Yeah, and, you know, I mentioned that game that Duke struggled with Syracuse in the uh, the ACC quarterfinals. When Bancaro struggled, it was Wendell Moore who dropped 26 and had eight assists. And if you remember, you watched that, probably one of the most watched college basketball games all year when Duke beat Gonzaga 
uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Wendell Moore had 20 with the triple six, six rebounds, six assists, and six steals. He is a problem on defense. So, yes, Pete, maybe we weren't doing him justice enough by, by mentioning him when we were talking about Duke. But, yes, he is absolutely a stud. He is a guy that, yeah, like you said, at 6'5", 213, probably going to end up more of a two than a three in the NBA. He's kind of in that awkward in-between right now. Uh, but, yeah. No, it does a lot of things well. He, like you mentioned, um, he was most likely running the point on this team. He's a tough kid. And I just think, you know, you look at Duke across the board, man. I mean, granted, look, they 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 got too emotional against North Carolina in Coach K's last game. It was too emotional in the ACC championship game in Virginia Tech again with Hunter Couture went absolutely nuclear. But this team has way too much talent to let the expectations and let the pressure of coach K's last tournament get to them. They've, they've got to get to the final four and I'd be, I'd be stunned if they don't. I gotta, I gotta hit a counter that though real quick, man. Let's I hear mean, it. Let's hear bro, it. Bro. Zion, RJ, Cam, that team, they were too big to fail. They lost. See, to that's, that's to me. That's when you see, you know, we talked about before, how much do you rely on? Oh, history. And the, Oh, they can do can fall short, even though they have this much talent. I, I don't want to get caught up in that. Oh, I think this team, I'm not, I'm not point. I'm not, I don't even, I could, I should probably abuse a different team with talent like that. <laughs> like Kentucky. Um, yeah. At some point, I can't even think right now straight because I wasn't using that as an example, but no, <laughs> but I, mean, no I, I just, I, I just I, mean a very talented team underperforming isn't something that we haven't seen, especially when these teams are made up of freshmen. And that's what Duke is. Duke right. is three superstar freshmen who are guiding the way. And oh, four, well, yeah, two or four. four. Mark, Mark, uh, Mark Williams. Oh, yeah. he's a sophomore. He's a sophomore. But, but yeah, but no, I, I get what you mean. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm, Bucks, I, I just you think it's tough to trust them. That's all I'm saying. I think the the way that this team has lost though these last couple of games with all the pressure they faced with you know Coach K again Coach K's last home game oh the ACC championship got to win it for Coach K I think those are learning lessons for them I think that's something that they're going to use in their path to ultimately get to the Final Four and maybe the national championship so you know when you say like oh will the, will the, will the pressure be too much for them or are they too big to fail I think they've already had a couple of setbacks here just in the last two weeks that to me have, are going to be valuable lessons. Now, look, that's a that's that's me betting on them where you can use that exact same info and bet against them. But I, I, I think those are two valuable losses. The way that they failed to defend late in the game, I think they're going to place a much higher emphasis on defending and defending the perimeter, especially once they get into the, third, the Sweet 16 and if they get to the Elite Eight and Final Four. Yeah, and the biggest games of their seasons probably felt like they happened already, right? Like that ACC tournament game felt huge, and when they when they lost, it felt huge. Coach K's last home game felt huge. They lost, it felt bigger and worse, right? Maybe they got some jitters out of the way. Maybe they got some anxiousness out of the way. I don't know. I'm just speculating there, obviously. The one we'll thing see. on the Zion, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish team, even when that team was dominating people, it never felt good. It never felt right. You think back and you're like, they crushed people in transition, they dominated in that regard. But when it came down to half-court offense, it was clunky a lot. And you mm. were depending on individuals. This is a little more balanced. There's a lot of ball movement with Wendell Moore and Ben Caro. And A.J. Griffin is a better shooter than any of those three guys. Cam Reddish never turned out to be the shooter that he was supposed to be. So True. maybe the balance on this Duke team is a little better. But back to the prospect front, um, just because we got more guys to talk about, and I, I don't want to go too, too long here. We got to still do our final four and whatnot. Um, A.J. Griffin... He's projected pretty high, top five, top seven range on most of the mocks that you'll check out. 
I don't know if I would take him that high, but it seems like he has a pretty, pretty high floor with the shooting and the ability to score the basketball. Like he's just, he could just make, he just hit shots. I don't know how else to say it. You guys have any notes on AJ Griffin at the next level? What, I'll what keep it simple. Say? I'll keep it simple. Um, he's a dude who maybe can turn into a really good three and D player. Um, the NBA draft isn't, I think we put too much value into it, thinking that top 10 picks are guys that are all going to step in and be superstars. Right. He could definitely be valued as a top 10 pick because he could be a guy who starts for teams for a long time because he can hit threes and he can be a solid defensive player. But that's pretty much pretty much all I see from Griffin. I don't see him changing anybody's team or really being any type of a you know big-time pickup, at least not when he starts out. Yeah, so superstar upside might not be there, but you know you're going to get a really solid player. Uh, yeah, I, I feel that. Absolutely. All right, on to the next guy who I definitely like a lot, and I might make a hot take in a few minutes here as well. He's a sophomore out of Iowa, Keegan Murphy. He kind of feels a lot like somebody who's ranked number one, two, or three in this draft, if you're not going to lie. He's averaging almost 24 points per game this year. He's a sharp shooter. He's an athlete. And he's just a straight edge dude, like who just seems like he's about ball, right? Like he's about buckets and just getting after it. So Keegan Murphy at Iowa, how do we feel, Zoo? I'm a fan. Uh, I'm a, you know, honestly, dude, I like guys that can score in college. I think that, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily always translate, but when you watch how guys score, how guys are dropping buckets, they're good shooters. They're able to, you know, get to the rim like a guy like Jaden Ivey, but when they're good shooters like Jabari Smith, it's just, it's incredible to watch. And I got to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't necessarily put him as a guy who has superstar potential, but he definitely could turn out to be one of those guys when it's all said and done. Like, I didn't look at a dude like Miles Bridges as a guy who would be putting up 20 plus a game, you know, and I know that's not his average, but it seems like every time you throw on the game with Miles Bridges, he's out there dropping a bucket. And, guys turned into a really solid player in the league i think that would be a decent comp for him you know in terms of you know maybe not coming out of school not as bad a better shooter though but exactly but like that kind of a dude who can take who can sneakily take over a game at the next level and and you know why i mentioned what i did before too and pat you can react to this if you want what's the big difference between jabari smith and keegan murphy What's like the seriously? I'm I'm not trying to be like hot takey over here. What's the big difference between those two players? Because if you look at their numbers, you look at their build, you look at how they score. I'm seeing a lot of the same stuff. I'm not gonna lie, a lot of the same stuff. Pat, am I crazy for even uttering those words? No, no, not at all. Are you looking for the big difference though? You said, yeah. What's the big difference between Jamari Smith and Keegan? Murray? I think Keegan Murray is just he's a better defender at the he's a better defender at the rim. You know, I think he's an elite shot blocker. So I think he gives you an extra element, but um, yeah, I mean, Pete, you might've hit the nail on the head. And I think a lot of people fell in love with him at the end of the season, watching the big 10 tournament. Cause he went off for 26, 26, 32 against Indiana, you know, double, double against Purdue. Like he gets his numbers almost every single game. It's not like he's had a couple of outliers and where you see him averaging 24 a game. He gets those, that number almost every single game he's shooting. Uh, and, and again, just, I remember watching like two or three of the games last year and, you know, they talked about him a lot. And ultimately, as a freshman, he didn't have that big of a season. He 
He shot under 30% from deep and didn't really make that big of an impact. And then this year, I mean, he, he has just exploded and he's gotten better and better as the season has gone on. He's shooting over 40% from deep. You know, again, just he, he commands so much attention and he doesn't really have a ton of weakness in his game. And like I said, he's a big, great shot blocker. He's pulls down basically 10 rebounds every game. He shoots 60% from the field and he can get out to the perimeter and shoot it as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was hoping that he was going to continue to to take an uptick here because if he continues to play like he did, you might be looking at an Iowa team that could uh, could knock Kansas and Oche Ibaji, who I think is going to be another top 10 pick in the draft right out of the tournament in the Sweet 16. Either that or congrats to your cock. Oh, that's the wrong drop. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to play this. Then the Hawkeyes started. <laughs> yeah, uh, wrong button over there. The new buttons for me. I, I forgot which one was. Well, you had you had to find a way to mix in the Jody Mac drop. Either way, Zoo. I don't know if you're muted over there. I can't hear you. But oh no, nah, bro. Sometimes you, you get cock happy. It is what it is. <laughs> congrats to your cocks. <laughs> <laughs> That's good though. Keegan Murray, man, only one game this year did he not have double-digit points, and he had nine in that game. And it was the only game this year that he didn't get to the free throw line. So it was against Iowa State. It was back in December. He had nine, seven, three block, uh, three steals, two blocks. His only game in under double-digit points. And I mean, you look through, man. It's twenty points all day, every day. It's fifteen to eighteen points at minimum. He was a stud, and I, I really just, I, I meant that question. Seriously, and I'm glad you guys didn't think I was being crazy because I watched both of them today. I watched like five game highlights for each of them, saw so many different shots out of these guys, and I was like, I don't know the big difference between Jabari Smith and King Murray. I'm glad you guys don't think I'm crazy. All right, next guy who was mentioned already, guard for Wisconsin. He's one of the dudes who I was talking about before. They don't normally have. He's nearly a 20-point-per-game guy. Johnny Davis, eight rebounds as well for a 6'5", dude, which is pretty crazy. Uh, Zoo. Johnny Davis is he the is can he be a difference maker for Wisconsin in the tournament here? And then what do you look at him uh, moving forward? Um, can he be a difference maker for Wisconsin in the tournament? Absolutely, absolutely. Because there's always a dude who takes over. And I mean, listen, we can, and maybe I'm being the hey everybody. There's a hypothetical for everyone right now because we don't know yet. Like we didn't know Kemba Walker was going to do Kemba Walker until Kemba Walker became Kemba Walker. And maybe I just said Kemba Walker a fuck ton of times, but hey. I heard every word. Hey, exactly. Kemba <laughs> Walker. But we didn't know that was going to happen until it started happening. So he has that type of potential for sure. I, I, I'm i a little wary on Wisconsin in terms of going on a very, very deep run. Like, I don't know if they're making any Elite Eights or Final Fours. They absolutely could. But that's going to be dependent on him. And he... You mentioned he's a 20.8 rebound per game kind of guy. I think the rebounds are the thing that make him incredibly valuable in terms of the draft and in terms of going forward because, I mean, you don't have a lot of guards, a lot of guards that can dominate games just in general that can go out there and rebound the ball as well at that level. Like, listen – you see a lot of guys that are good rebounding guards average four and a half a game. This dude will go in the league and will average about six a game, I think. Just, I mean, just just based off of what we're looking at right here. His strength, his ability to create for himself, his ability to create for others, 
knock down shots and get to the rim. I mean, he's a complete kind of guy. I, uh, there's just a lot of things that I like about him. And yeah, you know what? If Wisconsin goes on a run, it's going to be because of him. Absolutely. So there is potential for him to make this tournament about himself a little bit. Patty B, any Johnny Davis takes you want to get off? Yeah. I mean, I'm not that high on Johnny Davis. Um, because he's such a high volume shooter, but now it's kind of tough to root against him because he had that looked like a gruesome injury against Nebraska in the season finale in which McGowan's was, that was a fucking bullshit play that he made. It was a cheap shot. Dirty motherfucker. Yeah. Knocked him out of the game. Sprained. Basically I think it was a sprained ankle. Um, came back with a boot on and then came back to then play in the big 10 game and played 34 minutes while injured and you could see he, he was obviously not 100%. He went three of 19 from the field. So it's, I, I'm not going to, it's hard to root against a guy who's obviously going to be playing not at 100%, which is a reason why I think, Zoo, contrary to what you said, I think Colgate has some upset potential. I think they're a live dog in their game against Wisconsin, basically because Wisconsin lives and dies with Johnny Davis. I mean, he counts for almost half of their shots on some of their games. You know, you, I, I've seen some games this year when Rutgers beat them. He went six of 19. He ran into trouble all night. And yeah, he ended up getting 19 points, but on 19 shots. And he doesn't really ever shoot well from outside, from deep. And at times he'll take four or five threes in a game when he shouldn't be. And he's going 0 for 5 or 1 for 5. So he's a very streaky shooter. And when he's not shooting well, Wisconsin's not going to win the game. Um, you know, again, can't really, you got to take the last two games at face value, the loss to Nebraska and the loss to Michigan State, because he only played until he got hurt against Nebraska, and he wasn't 100% against Michigan State. But even then, um, you know, again, look, if he goes out and he lights it up and he's playing the best basketball of his season, yeah, Wisconsin can make a run to the Elite Eight. If he has one bad game, they're done because they live and die with him on offense. And, again, he's such a high-volume shooter that if he doesn't get hot, and you usually know defense usually reigns supreme in the tournament, so they run into a team that plays really good defense. And I'm looking at their, their, uh, their bracket here. Um, you know, LSU and Iowa State, yeah, they could probably get by them. And, and again, they could get by Colgate if they play well. But after that, you know, they run into a, a Miami or a USC, or if Auburn has yet to stave off the upset, we know Auburn does usually play good defense. So, um, again, I'm, I'm not very high on them. I'm not very high on Johnny Davis. Uh, I think he is a guy that, again, you know, Pete, you talked about before, if Paolo Boncaro was the guy on a team, you know, if you put Paolo Boncaro on Wisconsin, I think he's almost – I wouldn't say doubling Johnny Davis's numbers, but Johnny Davis's average 20 points a game. I think Paolo Boncaro will be averaging like 30 if he's the guy on the Wisconsin Badgers. So I'm not very high on him. Or a far more efficient 25 in that regard. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, a far more efficient 25. I was looking at his numbers and I was watching some of his stuff on YouTube and I felt like there was a shots that they looked like they were supposed to go in. So you feel confident in him, but he didn't finish as much as you would like. He does get to the free throw line a lot, which is a really great tool to have in your toolbox however in the tournament defense tightens up it's not as simple as uh you know drive to the lane and you'll get to the line right you got to be able to finish you got to be able to shoot uh so it'll be interesting to see how he does moving forward in, in the nba definitely curious how he'll turn out as a prospect a couple more guys i want to talk about and then we'll let you guys go wild if there's any random people who aren't really draft prospects that you guys might like but basically i'll just mention these couple more names that i want to talk about and you guys can talk about whoever you want Tari Eason on LSU, the power forward. Benedict Mathurin. I actually don't know how to say his last name. Is that right? Mathurin? Mathurin. I've heard Mathurin most broadcasts. Yeah. 
Mathurin. It sounds like Mike Tyson's trying to say Maturin, and that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, and then Ty Ty Washington. So those are the guys I want to talk about. Tarius and Benedict with Thurin and Ty Ty Washington. Any of those names jump out to you guys as different makers of this tournament or anybody maybe that you like at the next level specifically? Um, I mean, I like Ty Washington a lot. I think his quickness, his he's got decent size. Listen, he's not necessarily the most well-rounded bully player, yeah, I would say, but he's got a lot that he can improve on, and I think he will. I think his ceiling is very high. Um, but again, to that point, his floor is, and he's a good defense player. I mean, maybe not great, but he's he's solid enough to get through right now. I don't know if he's going to make the biggest difference for Kentucky, but he's a guy that if he starts playing at the highest level, he's a dude that will absolutely make a difference for them. Um, I just don't. I don't necessarily think that's going to be his thing. But I like him the most out of those three in terms of going to the NBA. I think he has the highest ceiling for sure. And to make that point go a little further and talk about somebody who you did not mention, I would like to mention my man, Big O. I knew you were going to go to Oscar. My man, Oscar Sheboy, because that dude is a fucking animal, bro. Um, I mean, I, I just got to be completely honest with you. He was uh, he was West Virginia Mountaineer his first two seasons. Things went down not too hot with Huggy Bear at the end. Unfortunately for us, because if he would have been there last year, who the fuck knows? We might have made a run. And you know what? If he was there again this year, we probably would have made a run because the dude is an absolute animal, double-double machine, you know, guy that can at any point, in any random game can get you 20 and 20. I think that he is the reason why Kentucky will, I don't want to say March because I don't think it's going to be that easy, but I think he's the reason why Kentucky will go as far as they go. And I think they're going to the final four. So I think he's going to be making a big time, big time difference. And when his season is over. Top 10 pick. I, I would be shocked if not, especially when he gets to the combine and gets to do all, you know, the, the underwear workout kind of stuff. He's going to show off real good there. Measurables. I'm seeing he's only listed at six foot nine. Oscar. He's a, li- he's a, I mean, a relatively little dude, bro. It's crazy. I, I always thought that to myself when he was at Dub V. I was like, how are we ever going to match up with these, these teams with seven footers out here? Because, you know, I'm seeing a six nine guy, and then we go out there, and he's actually getting ten boards on these dudes, and outplaying guys that are six eleven and and six ten, and just blocking the shit out of them left and right. I mean, the guy is very impressive. His athleticism is off the charts. His size is off the charts. He is he's six nine, but he plays like I mean, I don't want to maybe like Kenyon Martin. Right. Kmart was six nine. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Played very similar, but I nice just think day. he's he's a he's a more dominating force. He is a much more he's a man. He is a man playing with little children. I love Oscar. <laughs> I love Oscar Sheboy, bro. He's, Makes me he's feel a beast, good. Man. I actually have Kentucky in my bracket. We're gonna get to that in a minute. Pat, you know, you can take it wherever you want. You know, Tari Eason, Benedict, Mithorin, Ty Ty, anybody else, just any other prospects you want to get off a take on before we move on. Yeah, you know Ben Ben Mathurin or Matherin. Um, I, I think he's uh, he's been special to watch, um, especially too because Arizona. When you look at them, so much of their tournament success is going to rely upon how healthy their point guard is. Their Estonian Kirk Krisa. 
So he missed uh, the Pac-12 tournament. They didn't miss a step without him. But, you know, Mathurin picked up, kicked up big time as basically the guy who ran the point for them um, increased his absence, had seven assists in the win against UCLA. But, you know, he's again, he's another guy. He's a bruiser. 6'6", 210, bowls his way to the basket, gets to the free throw line at will. It's going to be interesting to see, again, uh, how lenient the refs are and how much they let him play defense because he got to the free throw line 15 times in that Pac-12 title game against uh, against UCLA. So, you know, they're, they're an offense that's going to rely on him to to run the point and then also use his dribble and drive to get to the bucket and uh, and either finish or kick it off. Um, and, again, if Kirk Carissa is healthy in playing, um, you know, Matherin's, uh, you know, time running the point as the true point guard is going to be a little bit reduced. But, you know, again, he's such a great scorer. He's another guy that has such a tremendous mid-range game. A very good three-point shooter, not a great three-point shooter. He's another one that, uh, you know, on nights where he's shooting well, he can hit four or five. But for the most part, he probably should only be taking about three or four threes a game and will more so rely on him getting to the bucket with the dribble. Um, but then, yeah, obviously I got a shout out Shibuya as well. A mad zoo. I knew Zoo was going to bring him up, but I was hoping that maybe he had a bout of you know fucking amnesia and didn't because he <laughs> is a grown ass man. Um, you know, you, you see games this year where he's got twenty rebounds like it's nothing. I mean, it, it, the ball is in his vicinity. He is getting the bucket. You're not boxing him out. You're not getting in front of him. You're not beating him to a ball. So he has been fantastic to watch. But then somebody I want to shout out as well. Um, and we've talked about, we, we mentioned it before. And I think zoo thinks they're going home in the first round. I've been a big fan of Kofi. Uh, he was my preseason pick to win the, uh, the wood, the win, the wooden award this year. Um, hasn't had a dominant season as much as I thought. And also maybe it's because he changed the pronunciation of his name. I'm pretty sure he was Cockburn until this year. And now he's going by just Kofi Coburn. Go ahead, hit it. Congrats <laughs> to your cocks. Yeah, exactly. So, um, no, I've been a big fan of Kofi though, for the last couple of years, I'm so glad he came back this year. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm I kind of mentioned as if he's like not putting up monster numbers, he still is 21 and 11 per game, but he Wild. hasn't, yeah, he really hasn't like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just expecting too much out of him. Maybe I'm expecting like 30 a game here in the tournament. He's absolutely capable of it. I think a lot of things that have, you know, one big thing that has kind of slowed him down was their point guard at the beginning of the year, the guy they were expecting to be the guy, Andre Corbello, was hurt at the beginning of the year. And then it was almost like he just kind of fell out of the rotation. He's only been playing limited minutes for them for most of the season, which when you look back at it, that's a big disappointment team. Big disappointment for an, an Illinois team that I thought in the beginning of the year could make a run to the final four. But that being said, if he's getting point guard help or he's not getting point guard help, he's still an absolute four, seven feet, 290 pounds. So, uh, watch out for Kofi because I think if Illinois is struggling against Chattanooga, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibilities, he's going to be the guy that has to step up and deliver. And I think he's going to be the guy that has to step and step up and deliver if they're in a Sweet 16 battle with Arizona. Congrats to your cocks. I, <laughs> Kofi Cockburn, you know, he should have, I, I said this to you the other night, Pat, he should have steered into it and just been like, yeah, my cock burns because it drags so low. It's on the floor all day. Hey, beautiful. <laughs> Should have went with it, bro. You got to just steer into it sometimes. But Kofi Coburn, good pick. I'm excited to watch Kentucky. I have them going deep in my bracket. I do want to just get off one th quick thing on uh, Ben Mathurin. Love him. He's one of my guys. I'm already in love with this in, this in this draft. The length in which he utilizes to get his shots off inside the paint make me very excited to what he can be at the next level. I see the floater game. I see the finishing uh, creatively around defenders. He's got the length to go up and dunk on people. Like he's kind of got the full package from an offensive standpoint. Like you said, Pat, 
the the shooting is solid from him and the passing, the playmaking that he's now put on display uh, when the point guard, his, his running mate was out for a little while. Man, it's special. I love Ben Mathurin. I, I see him and I see Wendell Moore as these like six, 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 seven guys who are going to end up being like secondary ball handlers in the league, if not primary. And and I, I love that out of the guys now because you need multiple ball handlers on every team. Mathurin's my dude. All right. Right, right, real quick, Pete, because then we can probably get to our picks here for the final four in the title. Um, but real quick, two guys that uh, I got to shout out really quickly. One, not sure his you know status as an NBA prospect just because he can't shoot at all from outside, but he's fun to watch down low and he's big and he's exciting as hell. It's Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana, um, 6'9, 250, big guy, big bruiser down low. Uh, plays with a ton of excitement. He's going to be fun to watch. And I hope we get a UCLA-Indiana matchup in round two because got to give some love to our boy Johnny Juzang and what the Bruins have done. They've underperformed a little bit this year, right? After Mm -hmm. the run they went on last year out of nowhere as the Cinderella, now they've had the expectations of having to be a top-five team all year, and they've struggled a little bit. Juzang has struggled a little bit at times this year. But again, I think when March rolls around, Johnny Juzang and Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell, they are a special group. And I expect them to be special once the tournament starts as well. So I would love to see Chu Zhang and Trace Jackson Davis going at it in the second round this weekend. That'd be some fun for sure, bro. You know I like UCLA. <laughs> for, for a team that made a run like they did last year, they've been pretty under the radar this year. No? No, for sure. They lost uh oh, they lost you know, they had Gonzaga take him out early, cut him out from the legs pretty much and I forget when that was in terms of the season. It was the day day before Thanksgiving or two days before Thanksgiving. Yeah, like the first couple weeks. So they got taken out from the knees very early on. And then, you know, they just kind of had to move on from there. They've just been kind of losing to random-ass teams on the way. And honestly, like Pat said, Juzang not playing like the player of the year that we all kind of thought he was going to be kind of took the heat off of them. They're a team that – they're a team – is is really what it comes down to and in today's college basketball landscape and especially the way the media looks at it we're looking for nba stars we're looking for the best team the gonzaga and then other than that it's just a bunch of teams and that's really what it comes down to for ucla is they weren't good enough in the beginning of the year to be the team that they were going to watch and they fell into that group of everybody else but they still could be that team that you're talking about when it comes to uh, the final four this year. They ain't dead yet. All right. Is there a, if you guys know Mike Dom from South Dakota state, remember him bucket Rainer from deep and in, in tournaments and, and beyond. Is there a Mike Dom out there this year? Some, some school that's a no name school. Is there some guy up in, in the Northeast school somewhere? Peter Kiss. Yeah, they're done. I was I was hoping for Peter Kiss to run rough shot over Wright State, but they got knocked out even though he dropped 30 points, but uh, uh, he's out. Is there another Peter Kiss in the tournament, or is that it? Some random guy we're going to see just put up 30 for no reason on Thursday or Friday? Off the top, nothing? Uh, just curious. All right. Yeah, not, not really got, off the top. Yeah, I, I got nothing off the top. Vermont. Watch out for Vermont. Yeah, well, yeah, Ryan – Ryan, uh, Ryan Davis and Ben Shungu both, especially, you know, when there is one guy, it will be, it will be Davis. If they upset, if they upset, um, Arkansas, it would be okay. him. There you go. All right, cool. Let's do it now. It's time. We already got some leans. We heard some things from me and Ed from Pat who we like. Let's finalize this thing. Patty Boyle, I'm putting you on the spot. I'm putting you up first. Give me your final four. Give me your winners. If you want to mention any elite eight, uh, people feel free, but get, what do you got? 
All right, so I got, I've got i already mentioned it. I've got Dookie coming out of the West. Um, look, I think UConn can give Gonzaga a real run for their money in the Sweet 16. I think they could beat them. I don't know yet if I'm going to take them in my bracket, um, but whether it is UConn or it is Gonzaga that gets Duke in the Elite Eight, I've got the Blue Devils coming out of the West region. In the East, I think Baylor's in trouble as well. And again, I, I, I think, um, you know, I've, you see, this is tough because I think it's going to be the winner of Purdue, Kentucky. Um, and I, even right here now, as we're less than or just over 12 hours away from tip off of the tournament, I still can't get my brain to process who's going to win that game. I would love to pick Purdue. I just think that they are vulnerable against Virginia Tech. So push comes to shove. I'm going Kentucky coming out of the East to play Duke in the South. I just think Arizona has been too strong all year long. They're way too complete. You mentioned Ben Mathurin. You met Kirk Creasa. I'm expecting that he's going to play. He says he's going to play. Um, so, again, if they have a full squad, they've just been absolutely unstoppable all year. If Seton Hall had Bryce Aiken, they probably wouldn't be an eight seed and they probably could, you know, they probably wouldn't be playing Arizona. They don't have Bryce Aiken. They don't have the closer. Um, if they get by TCU, I hope they give Arizona a fight. But I got Arizona coming out of the South. Um, again, Villanova is a great coach team with Jay Wright. They play great defense. They play slow, but they can't outscore a team. Um, they would not be able to outscore a team like Arizona. And I think Arizona's defense is not that far behind Villanova's to the point where, you know, they're just going to get dragged down to do a physical fight, which I think they'd be fine with that. Um, and then out of the Midwest, I've got, I guess, call me a little chalky. I've got a number one seed. I've got Kansas. I just, I've loved the job that Bill Self has done this year. Um, part of me really wanted to take Iowa. Oh, there you go. Part of me wants to take oh. Iowa. And I know that the, the chance that three, one seeds and a two seed get to the final four. That's so chalky, but at the same time, it's just what I believe in. So, uh, again, it's happened before. And I just, I love Oche Baji. I think Kansas is, I love Bill Self. I think they're so well coached. They've been a little topsy-turvy lately, but I just don't see anybody outside of Iowa giving them a really true test in this tournament. And I think that's a game, or if I'm really betting on it, trying to be, um, you know, predictor of the future here. I see that game coming down to the wire, but I think that's a game that where Kansas gets over the hump, that's their test game. That's the game where they overcome the adversity and then get to the final four. So I got Kansas, Arizona. I've got Duke versus Kentucky in the national championship. I've got Kansas versus Duke and I got the Jayhawks winning it all. Hey, Whoa. Then the Hawkeyes started. That's my, it's been my preseason pick all year. Ask Zoom. Right. I'm sticking yeah, with right. it. Remy Martin, baby. Hey, he's, he's, he's basically falling out of the rotation, but I mean, they've been able to kind of, you know he's still coming off the bench playing yeah, good minutes, still, but he he didn't he hasn't had the season I hoped he would. But I still think with Braun and McCormick, they're they're still a complete team, and I think that uh, they can beat anybody in, in any kind of game. Yeah, bro, I'm with you 100. percent I got Kansas coming out, and I got them taking on Villanova, bro. Because listen, I just think Jay Wright gets them over the hump, and I don't know, I don't know if Arizona's 100, percent man. I really listen. You can you can say you're coming back. You can say you're playing. That doesn't mean you're 100. percent That doesn't mean you're going to go out there and help your team. You could hurt your team potentially, but I'm not saying that's going to happen. Arizona is a great team, and if they do get there, they're going to be a tough challenge for uh, Kansas. But I don't think they're getting there. I think Villanova wins the battle of the Wildcats. On the other side, 
I'm 100% in line with you. Kentucky is going to win uh, and come out over there. I don't like Baylor 100% in that, uh, in that side. And honestly, I don't see very much for Kentucky to have to go through. Um, I, I really like what they got in front of them. And, and, uh, and LJ Cryer is missing the, the beginning of the tournament. So exactly, uh, who knows if he's going to be ready to play if they make the Sweet 16, but they might run into some trouble in the, in the second round if they get UNC or Marquette. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, bro. I actually, that's where I'm kind of seeing the issue for them is uh, honestly with UNC for sure, because we've seen how UNC's coming on at the end. But to keep it to final four picks, Kentucky coming out of the region there. And then I'm different with you, man. I'm not taking Dukies, but I got them in the Elite Eight taking on Gonzaga. And I got Gonzaga going to the Final Four to take on Kentucky. And what I cannot wait to watch up as a matchup for Sagavacanate. Uh, Look at me. I'm just saying West Virginia big boys now. Oscar Shiboy, man, the big O, bro. I can't wait to watch him bang down low with Cheddar Holmgren and uh, – you know, Timmy down there with Gonzaga because that's going to be a fun matchup for sure. I got Gonzaga taking that side. I'm with you, man. I'm in lockstep. You got me on the Kansas wagon now, bro. I got Kansas going, taking on Gonzaga, and I got Kansas whooping that Gonzaga ass wow. in the final. I that's like final L's for Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Abaji, bro. The guy is filthy. And the big men that Kansas has. I just got to be honest, they have the depth at big men to stick with Gonzaga through a whole game that I don't think Kentucky has. I think if uh, Sheboy is to get into trouble or just in general, whenever he's out of the game, I think that Gonzaga is going to really have a field day down low with Kentucky. Not that Kentucky's bad without Sheboy. I just think Sheboy is the guy down low that makes the difference and helps them in that game in terms of evening it out. But Bro, Kansas, that's a fun team. They are a very good team, and they will whoop the shit out of you if you let them. Uh, I've seen it twice, three times this year with the Mountaineers. <laughs> there you go. You guys are both on Kansas. Some uh, some consistencies with my bracket as well. I got Duke beating Gonzaga to get there in the Final Four out of the West. I do actually have Vermont playing Gonzaga the the round before that i think i'm, I'm on the vermont train i heard i love it this like advanced style of basketball where they're spreading the floor five out situations letting it fly and i love that. it is super spread yeah i love that in college because i hate when there's no spacing in the college game so that's just an aside you know i chalkily have baylor playing kentucky in the east but i have kentucky taking that one back up top to the south i got arizona coming out i got arizona beating colorado state to get to the final four uh, and then on the Midwest, the bottom right, I'm doing it, Pat. Iowa Hawkeyes, baby, in the Final Four. They're taking down Kansas. They're going to get there. Keegan Murray's going to have a tournament and a half, but it'll end there as Arizona beats them and Kentucky beats Duke. I got Kentucky winning it all. Hey, Zoo, Zoo, you wanted to pick Kentucky to win it all, and you didn't do it. I did it for you. Kentucky over Arizona, another battle of the Wildcats. This time, UK takes it home. Bro, I couldn't put a Kentucky Kansas final together. That would that would kill me a little too much inside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, Kansas, I'll, I'll, I'm I'm giving it to them, and maybe this is part of me that's hoping that they don't win because I'm a West Virginia fan. But I think they're the best team in this country, man. Big Twelve Nation, we stand together when it comes to winning championships, man. Best conference in the country. There you go, there you go, West Virginia, man. They, they're gonna come back soon, right? 
Hey, Bobby. Maybe. Bobby's got one more year in him at least. We'll see. If it sucks, then I think he's retiring. But uh, if we have a good year, then, you know, who knows? He could stick around. Listen, the guy's a legend in Morgantown. There you go. Pete, there real you. quick to finish up here. And because I know this is another thing, too, where everybody's picking this upset that I don't think is going to happen. For some reason, now winning the Big East in the regular season, I guess, means nothing. I think everybody's going with South Dakota State to beat Providence just because they're the best shooting team in the country and they shoot the lights out, but they haven't run into a defense like they're going to see when they play Providence. And the way that Watson defends down low and A.J. Reeves and Horschler, the way that he shoots and defends, and just Ed Cooley. To me, Ed Cooley should be the coach of the year. Now, it's probably going to go to Arizona, but I think Ed Cooley has done an unbelievable job. They were picked to finish seventh in the Big East. They went through it all, and everyone's picking against them just because Providence has – by the metrics, has overperformed um, above their talent level because they're like 11-2 and two in games de- decided by five points or less. But to me, that's that's building a resume. That's building a bloodline that's built for March. So mm-hmm. I think Providence is going to beat South Dakota State. And then again, they could destroy your bracket if they beat yeah, Iowa in the second round. You better, be, you better be locked into that one, man. Watch out. Keegan Murray might get locked down. Yeah, and you know what? Shout out to Kenny White, strength coach for the basketball team over at Providence, Monsignor Farrell alumni. Hey, uh, there we go. He's got them. He's got them. Uh, you know, peaking for the tournament. I'm sure of it. So <laughs> I'm a little nervous about that too, Pat. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but then what I gotta hope if Providence does beat Iowa, then I just become the biggest Providence fan and hope they beat Kansas instead. <laughs> right? I mean, that's that's if I'm trying to win a bracket, that's what I gotta root for. Right? That's how it goes. Speak time facts. They right hate there. them when they beat you, but then you need them to win the next one. So you gotta get on their on their train. Except for that one guy that had Providence going in the Final Four, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. The guy who went there. Yeah, oh, bro. Yeah, I told you the whole year. cardiac kids, baby. What a time to be alive. It's March Madness. The tournament starts now. Uh, it's just like there's no better time. And you know, you have every friend who like, yo, I called that upset. And their bracket's like last in the, in the pool. So like, you know. <laughs> You got to take every take with a grain of salt when it comes to March Madness season, but I'm so hyped to see some of these young players show out and see where it goes, man. Let's get some buzzer beaters, some good calls, get some more calls like this. Oh, I'm on the hey road. Hey, now. Wrong page. I was hoping for that. Jim Port, Jim Nance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pete, I, I will tell you this. Somebody's, everybody's going to have, oh, I called this one. And then everyone's going to have – a lot of people are going to have their brackets burned on the first day or two. So just yep. remember that. Always. Yep. Undefeated. Undefeated is the bracket. All right, y'all. Any last words for Subway Sports Talk? We're coming up about an hour and a half. Ed Zoo, anything to plug? Anything to, to pitch while you're here? Anything to throw out there? Yo, people, just follow me on Twitter, at Zoobeard77. Great follow. Uh, One of the best. You know, I'm out here, bro. That's, that's all I can say. It's going to be a fun tournament. Uh, St. Patty's Day is today so let's have a little bit of fun over there you know pat i know you're going to be in the office so maybe we uh maybe we have ourselves a few uh a few little johns after work but we'll uh we'll talk about that um but yeah boys enjoy st patty's day enjoy the first day of march madness and let's have ourselves a little fun let's make some shmoney on that draft kings with the promo code in the bottom of the screen there we go, baby. I love it. Uh, some couple Guinness for the boys tomorrow for sure, or today. Patty B, any last words before we say goodbye? No, yeah, unfortunately, I got some friggin' Rutgers softball I have to attend to tomorrow, but I will be celebrating St. Patty's Day in style, hopefully uh, late on Thursday at Finnegan's Pub in Hoboken watching some games. 
I'll be in Vegas, be in Vegas this weekend. So I'll be watching. Ooh. I'll be watching from the casino. I'll be betting. So sports I can't wait. Be chilling at. What'd you say? What's what uh, sports book you're going to be chilling at? Probably the Encore. I think that's the hotel we're staying at. Ooh. I wow. see you, bro. I'm jealous. I'm jealous of both of you right now. I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I'll be drinking the Guinness. I'll be watching some hoops. It's a beautiful thing. Subway Sports Talk. Thank you two so much, as always, at our Zoom in. Pat Boyle, I'm Pete Kennedy. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the tournament. Win your pool. Hopefully, we helped out. And hopefully you win some money. Let's go. Cheers, y'all.